Hello, amazing, beautiful people out there in Facebook land and everywhere else. Our podcast has recently just been added to a number of locations, so you guys can now see me everywhere. (laughs) So I wanted to take this opportunity now that our podcast has expanded its reach so drastically to reintroduce myself to give you guys a little bit of background on our 501c3 nonprofit organization and tell you a little bit about the structure and how it all works because I've been getting a lot of questions recently. And I think a lot of you guys out there in the world um, either have had experiences with poor nonprofits that are not in it for the right reason or don't understand how nonprofits work. So there's kind of a spectrum and most people are either really far on one end or really far on the other. So I wanted to give you guys an idea of some things to look for and how to know if your money is going to the right place and a little bit about us because we are so new, there's not a lot of um, public information yet. We don't have our tax return um, to provide for you yet because we haven't had our first full year yet. So. We do, however, do quarterly reporting, and we are just coming on our first opportunity to do that, to provide you guys with that transparency. That is our goal, is to be 100% transparent with you guys all the time, because we want to be different. We want to be the face of nonprofit, the way that nonprofit should be run, the way that nonprofit should be focused. And so many people don't understand that a nonprofit organization is really just a tax structure. Structure being called a nonprofit doesn't actually mean that you are providing a service or providing for the community in the ways that you say that you are, and to the extent that you claim your intentions are. As owners, as board members, you don't generally make money running a nonprofit organization. However, there are loopholes in that. There are ways to make money as an uh, as the organizer and the and the operator of a nonprofit organization. We do not do that. We do not provide any wages to board members or to owners um, or in initial incorporators, however you guys like the terminology. That being said, I've had people ask, how do I personally make money? So the nonprofit organization is set up completely to serve our community. And the reason the nonprofit organization came to be is because as a service provider, as someone who has been working with trauma for many, many years and who it continues to see the people that I love to see, it became very, very clear to me that there was a financial obstacle for many of the people that needed my services. As an independent coach and consultant, my services are um, not inexpensive. The value is there. The ability to transform lives is there. But for many people who are servants of the community and servants of our country, or victims of human trafficking, domestic violence, and and childhood abuse, they're not in a place in their lives where a commitment of thousands of dollars is practical or possible. So access was a huge, 
huge issue for me. Of course, I want to make a living and I want to be successful in my own life, but my heart was drawn to helping people that couldn't afford my services. And I brought this conundrum over and over to my my coaches and to my peers and multiple times I kept being told, know your worth, charge your value and the people who need you will find you and the people who are meant to be your clients will be able to afford you. But that didn't sit well with me. I just couldn't, I couldn't make that make sense to me that the people that I wanted to help the most, the people that I was the most passionate about supporting and the people whose lives I can make the most impact in are the people who were missing out on my services because I know my worth, I know my value and it's just not in their budgets. So what can I do? So how could I fix that? How could I solve it? So for the past three years before the nonprofit came to be, I came to my own personal dedication, my own personal belief that 50% of my income, 50% of my time, 50% of my coaching hours would be donated, would be spent on those people I wanted to serve the most, those people who couldn't afford my services. So I went against everything business appropriate. I went against everything my coaches were saying. And I decided that I would offer sliding scale and payment plans. And that didn't always work out in my best interest. I have numerous clients who, after the end of their 12-week sessions, and major life transformations, and they're in beautiful relationships, and they're super successful in their businesses, and things have changed for them, they start making very small payments, or they stop making their payments, and they just move on with their lives. And that's okay with me. But that was not a structure that was beneficial for my business by any means. So I keep having this this dichotomy of what I feel is right, and what I want to do to serve the community and what is right for myself and my business and my family, because I have to have food and I have to pay my bills and all of that matters. And it's not right, um, it's not healthy for me to give so much that I'm not healthy in my own circumstances. So I had to find a balance and that balance came into being by structurally separating my donated time and my and my income generating time so you guys will notice that there is battle to be and there is rise up phoenix academy rise up phoenix academy is the partner of battle to be so rise up phoenix academy is where i have all of my normal course courses all of my coaching offerings all of the things that i do to raise money for the ability to donate half of my time to those who need it the most. So the nonprofit does not pay me to provide services to my clients. Someday in the in the future, in a year or two, when the nonprofit has established itself and can afford itself and is actually able to do all of the other things that it sets out to do, someday I would like to cease having a normal business on the side and donate, dedicate 100% of my time to my 
first responder frontline clients. I That is my goal is to be 100% under battle to be. But this year, battle to be is not paying me, is not paying anyone except for the officer and his wife who are making our plaques. We do pay for their services, their time, and their um, equipment to, to do that work. We do pay a VA in the Philippines $5 an hour to help us keep up with our website and things like that. So those are the only people in the entire operation who are getting any financial benefit from a battle to be. The organization has, um, as of the first of the year, um, because we are literally just transitioned into the, the 501c3, from the first of the year to now, we have raised $10,725 in income. And our income has been used to set up our makerspace so that we can do some of our plaques ourselves, though we do have um, our equipment is very small and has very limited capacity. Uh, when we have an urgency and we need one the day of or in a very short period of time and we can't use our, our normal producers, we have that. We are able now to make um, customized coffee cups and some awareness merchandise that we take to our events with us. Um, we have used that income to get a few parts on our parade Jeep so that it was ready for this season, our honor and memorial Jeep that is a huge presence in our organization. The Jeep actually is our access point that allows us to begin conversations about mental health. And it's a, just a huge and important piece of, um, of what we're doing. We pay personally, uh, the committee pays personally for that vehicle. We pay personally for the space that we use to do all of our work. We pay personally for um, all of our phones, our internet, our technology, our computers. All of that is our personal contribution to the organization. So we are very young, we are very new, and we are, of course, now looking for corporate support and corporate sponsors who, in exchange for the ability to be visible, to have marketing from our organization um, through, through this podcast, through our, our website, through our uh, social media presences, through our events uh, presence and our tents and our banners and all of that stuff. We're offering a marketing package in exchange for um, those corporate donations, which are the life's blood of an organization like ours. So our objective is by next year to have me moved to 100% staff provider with a reasonable, sustainable, completely transparent wage that makes sense for the organization. I am not going to be one of those people who is making a horrific amount of money on the back of a nonprofit organization. And I challenge you guys to look before you donate at any major organization that you're considering donate, making donations to. I want you to look at their income for the last year and the salaries of every single person on their staff because they are required by law to make those public. All of that information is available to you. And if anyone on that staff is making an unreasonable amount of money, they're not in it for the right reasons.
So be very cautious because the legalities of a nonprofit organization completely blew my mind, completely blew my mind. I had no idea that even 50% of what was coming in was not going to the end users. Our objective, our goal is to maintain an 80%, even with whatever expenses that we have, whatever it takes to create the fundraisers, all the whatever it takes to put on the gala, whatever it takes to put on the events that we put on. We would like to see in our organization, and this is a challenge to ourselves because we're not sure that it's possible. We haven't seen an organization out there model this successfully. So we would like to see that happen in our next year. Of course, this year we have to establish some things. We have to get some some things uh, set up and setting up a business is very expensive. Uh, my husband and I alone contributed over $67,000 in material support to set this organization up. So it's not an inexpensive thing to create a nonprofit organization. And those who set up a nonprofit organization not only need to understand that, but they need to have their hearts 100% in it because you're not going to get that back. That is a contribution to a cause that you 100% believe in enough to dedicate your money and your life to. And if that's not who you are and that's not what you're doing, then the nonprofit pathway is not for you. The nonprofit pathway should be, needs to be, for those people who are 100% dedicated and 100% driven and 100% willing to put their money and their time where their mouth is. It's not an easy way to get money given to you. I work 14 to 16 hour days, keeping up with all the relationships, the beautiful, amazing relationships, the connections, the responsibilities, all of the, I do all of my own um, web pages. I do all of our own uh, Facebook posts. We don't have someone doing our Facebook and Instagram posts for us. We do all of our own photography. We don't put money out for those tasks because every penny that we bring in needs to go to serving our client community. Every penny we bring in has the intention of taking care of them and improving their lives and making their life something new that they can be completely joyful and engaged in. So this is a burden that we very willingly and lovingly and wholeheartedly have taken on with the absolute intention of showing the world what a nonprofit is supposed to look like. So we don't have a huge income. We don't live off of our nonprofits. Our nonprofit is our gift to our to our people to our clients to the community to those families that we serve and our nonprofit has two sides one of those is the ferryman project and the ferryman project is an absolutely first of its kind passion driven uh, ride to remember program what we do that makes us really unique is not only are we creating plaques for the families of fallen heroes, and I know so many of you guys don't like it when we use the word heroes because you don't consider yourself heroes. And every day I hear it's just what we do. It's what I was called to do. I can't do anything else, but you are heroes. 
so families of our fallen heroes that serve country and community. We create one-of-a-kind custom plaques for those families of the fallen. And we serve not only the fallen that have died in the line of duty by the requirements of their organizations or in honored status. We don't care what your discharge status is. We specifically have focused in on suicides. We specifically have focused in on illnesses that were created by the job or are a part of the job. We want to make sure those who don't feel a part of the family anymore, those who feel rejected by the family, those who have been let down or who have suffered strongly because of their dedication to the first, the frontline first responder family are given honor, respect, and remembrance. And we respect and honor, and of course, include all of those who have died in the line of duty as well. But we want to make sure that you guys out there understand if you are a family of someone who has fallen, who is military, veteran, police, firefighter, medic, EMT, all of our emergency medical staff, um, dispatch, crime scene, all of those people whose lives are affected by trauma and who are exposed regularly to the face of what is out there, the worst that of humanity and the best of humanity. Those of you that live that life, that struggle and suffer in silence, the Ferryman Project is to make sure that everyone who has fallen is remembered, even if only in a small way. So those plaques are created in Comoro, Texas with a massive amount of love and research and we make sure that we represent the individual, that we understand who they were as a person, what made them stand out, what people loved about them, their interests, their desires, their goals, their dreams. We make sure that we make a real connection with that individual through their family, through the, the media, through every resource that we can find so that we truly understand who we are talking about, who we are representing, who we are putting out a memorial for. Once that plaque is created, we organize a ride to remember, and that may be a very huge engagement. Sometimes we have had over 400 people. Sometimes we have um, had the opportunity to be involved with alternative organizations and actually be involved in the memorials of our people. So we get these beautiful moments when the entire family, the entire fire department, the entire police department, all of the above all come together to initiate the beginning of the journey or the end of the journey on their ride to remember. Most of the time, our rides are just a few people, a few pieces of family, of friends, of peers who take the plaque on an honorary uh, mission from where we are to their home, hand to hand, peer to peer, never through the mail. Our objective is to touch the lives of as many peers as possible and to create a moment for people to really connect with the humanness of our clients, of our, of our people, of our family. So, it's all based on two things. We use the ferryman 
and the ferryman coins. And may the ferryman guide you safely home until we meet again as the foundation. What we also use, they say we die twice, once when breath leaves our body, and again, the last time our names are spoken. So one of our major keys is say my name and remember. And every quarter we will have a podcast where we will have a slideshow of the faces and the stories of each of our clients, each of our honorees. And we will, in the background, speak their names out loud as a permanent lasting reminder. And it's not the only permanent lasting reminder we provide. Our Jeep has their names on it permanently. Our Jeep will carry the names of as many of our people as we can fit on her. And when we run out of space on the Jeep, we will add them to the trailer that we also will be bringing with us to some events. We will cover our publicly displayed modes of transportation with their names so that when we're at events, people can see the humanness of these serving positions. They can see the cost, the price, and the importance of these roles that you guys play, of these positions that you guys take, of the dedication that you put into your lives and serving others. That program means the world to us. That program is, is a really big part of what we do. On the other side of that is our awareness and education side of things. I have over 20 years of education and experience, and I was a victim of childhood abuse. I was a victim of domestic violence. I lived the life of a survivor, and that drove me into living the life of a caregiver, of a, of a public servant. So I have also worked in uh, human trafficking investigation and as an ER tech, and in those roles, I experienced the worst that humanity has to offer. I have seen death, I have seen destruction, I have seen violence, and I have faced it all multiple times. And I know the trauma that that leaves on us. I know the nightmares. I know the flashbacks. I know the sitting in a particular place in a restaurant because you always want to know where your escape route is. I know the looking over your shoulder because no public place is safe. There's always suspicion. There's always awareness that the worst can happen at any moment. I know that sensation of following your instincts and knowing that when you're in a location that there is someone there that doesn't have the best of intentions and keeping an eye out for how you can possibly help. I know what it feels like to stop on the highway because you see a car accident, knowing that you might have to render aid or you might have to deal with something else. With never a hesitation in the moment, with never that sense of fear in the moment, only that drive that something has to be done and you have to do it. I know what it's like to live that. 
and I didn't have the resources that I needed to heal from my experiences. We didn't talk about it. We joked about it. We made light of it. We acted like it wasn't a big deal. But when the lights go out and we're alone, it is a big deal and we all know it. But we're so afraid to admit it because the stigma is so heavy. The stigma is so huge. There's no, we don't get to show any signs of weakness. Even though it's not weakness, we perceive it to be. We don't get to show there's a chink in our armor, that something got through to us, that we have emotions, that we experience the pain of those families who are screaming because their loved one isn't with us anymore. Because there's nothing we can do to change it because we can't put the pieces back together because there's not enough blood to fill the person who's leaking it so quickly we can't keep up. There's nothing we can do and we know it and we pretend. So solving the PTSD puzzle, solving the stigma problem, solving the we have to be perfect in every moment, we have to stand stoic through every storm, that has to change, that needed to change. So I have dedicated to researching everything I can possibly find, getting every bit of education I can possibly get on Eastern and Western traditions, because what we're doing in the Western world in our psychology departments is not working. We can help a little, there's a Band-Aid. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an excellent Band-Aid for a while. It helps to talk about it, but it's not enough to heal the nervous system. It's not enough to learn regulation. It's not enough to understand the attachment and relational, relational issues that underlie it for so many of us, because so many of us come to public service from a background of trauma. So, so many of us already have a form of PTSD. So many of us already have developmental trauma. So many of us already are in a place where we're vulnerable and susceptible to the symptoms that are going to take us down 10 or 20 or 30 years later. So many of us have that predisposition and we don't know it because nobody talks about it. Nobody tells us that we're vulnerable or at risk or that we need to learn certain tools and resources to protect ourselves. We don't have when we get hired onto these positions, a disclosure that tells us what is PTSD? What are the symptoms? What does it look like? What might happen in your life as you get exposed to these traumas? We don't get that. That needs to change. We don't have ongoing education opportunities in our firehouses, in our police departments, some of that is changing very, very slowly. Some departments have initiated this. Some departments still rely on a chaplain alone who has to serve 200 or 300 families. One person cannot do this work alone. And one person who has some resources cannot possibly debrief this many people, cannot possibly go through the process the right way. So restructuring how we serve our people from hire to retire and beyond is absolutely necessary. So 
I've created programs, I've created memberships, I've created opportunities for organizations to contact me and have me come in and see what are you doing now and how can we improve that to really serve the longevity and the health and wellness of your employees. How can we take what you have now and maximize its efficiency? How can we take what you have now and turn it into something that works, not only for the corporate, because it's cost efficient and functional and actually works and prevents post-traumatic stress syndrome for some people and prevents suicide and prevents divorce and prevents all of this chaos that so many of us live with. If we hit it at the beginning in the right way, we reduce the amount that we have to hit at the end in the recovery way. So the other side is awareness, prevention, resilience, and recovery training for individuals, groups, corporations. And I do that in so many ways. And this is my gift to the world. This is my gift to you guys because I don't I don't get paid by the nonprofit organization to do this work. I charge fees under my organization, under my business to do some of this work. And that work allows me to contribute 50% of what I bring in, 50% of my time, 50% of my energy, 50% of my hours to ensuring that these needs are met when the money isn't there to meet them, to ensure these needs are met when people are in survival mode, when people are losing their homes, losing their families, possibly on the brink of losing their lives. I'm going to be there for them. So that is the dedication that I have put into this. And I want you guys to understand very strongly that my view of this organization is so much bigger than it is today. Right now, the two sides are there are three of us providing services and that is it. My objective is to create a movement. My objective is to create, to train people in the future who can take this work forward in bigger ways. My goal is to create three, a minimum of three long-term recovery centers for people who are reintegrating into society from any of these traumas who do not have substance abuse disorders because so many of the resources available are only available if you have an addiction, are only available if you're an alcoholic or if you are on drugs. And there are so many other people out there whose addictions are different, whose coping mechanisms are different. They gamble, they shop, they cheat on their families, they do high risk, they engage in high risk behaviors. They have all of these other things. We all have addictions of some sort. Some of it, some of our folks are um, stuck in the pornography loop. Some of them are hurting themselves. There's so many different ways this plays out. And with resources only being available for drug and alcohol addiction, we are, we're creating a major disservice for others who are struggling just as much in different ways. So I would love, our objective is to eventually raise the funds and have the team and have the structure to do those organizations. We want to have the Rise Up Phoenix Academy contain multiple free resources 
you know, massive amounts of free resources to become a library that you guys can go to, to take classes, to see workshops, to um, experience education and, and to get the tools that you need, but also to provide access to providers who can give you the support and the connection that you need. So all of this is gonna grow and change. We are just at the very beginning of this journey and this journey is going to be huge. So please understand that it will be evolving and changing over time. And every quarter I will come here and I will tell you exactly where the money's going, exactly how it's being spent, exactly how you're impacting others in a measurable way that can be verified and authenticated because visibility, transparency, and integrity are the most important aspects of this whole thing. And if any nonprofit isn't standing on those pillars, they're doing a disservice to the, communicate, to the community. Know where your money's going, know what your money's doing, care about the cause enough to follow through and see what's happening, see what your money did, see who your money served. I know this has been a little bit of a long session and I want you guys to know that I am easy to contact. I am, again, absolutely transparent. Ask me anything that you wanna ask me. I am happy to talk about my credentials, my qualifications, my background, my experiences, anything that you wanna know more about. If you don't feel like I am qualified enough to do this work, please ask me and I will show you my certifications. I will show you my background and my education. If you feel like I uh, misrepresented myself, I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor because licensing in the state of Texas uh, creates limitations in the modalities that I can use to serve my people. So I call myself a coach and a consultant because that allows me to use the tools and resources that I have to help people see what they need and to help people create their own healing pathway and their own healing journey that is fits into their lifestyles, fits into their abilities, fits into the world that we really live in. So much of what's out there is not actionable. It's not reasonable. It's not realistic. So I allow my clientele to come from where they are, to determine where they want to be. And each step of the way, we strategize how they're going to get there. I'm not limited to cognitive behavior therapy. I am certified in providing EMDR. I never do it because I feel like it is a fantastic thing for some people, but it is not for everyone. It's aggressive. It's um, oftentimes it's very difficult for people on the time in between their sessions to handle their lives. It creates a lot of um, a lot of turmoil for many. So it's a, it's a process that is exactly right for the right people, but when it's used inappropriately, when it's used irresponsibly, and I see this happen all the time. Many of my clients come to me because their therapist was either unskilled or too quick or didn't create the relationship and the support with them that was necessary to get them through that process without damage. So it is another one of those buyer beware scenarios. We hear about all of these different modalities that are that are the miracle cure. 
but it only is a cure. It's only helpful. It's only useful if it's right for you. And only you can know if it's right for you. And only you can know that if you understand what it is, what it means, what you have to do to get through it and to achieve it, and what the possible outcomes are. If you are not given all of that information, then you don't have the ability to make an educated, a knowledgeable, a decision for your own health and welfare. So I come from a place of consent. I come from a place of um, knowledge and I want you to be informed. So everything that happens in my world, I don't diagnose you. I don't treat you. I don't cure you. I don't give you prescriptions. I talk with you. I listen to you. I hear you. And I provide you choices and options and suggestions. And you choose your own pathway. You choose your own things that you want to explore to find what works for you in a world where everything is trying to put you into a box, where everything is trying to label you a certain way. So my approach is different. My process is different. I play well with others. I absolutely love working with people who have a therapy team, who are already working with the VA, who are already seeing a therapist once every month, once every two months, once every three months, and who know that's not enough, who know that's not really the support that they need. But that person can back up the prescriptions and can help you with some of the some of the extreme moments. And I can support that. I can help you through the in-betweens. I can help you have more tools and resources to handle the treatments that they're giving you. So that's my one of my favorite things is working with people that are already in the VA, are already working with the therapist, already have a, a little bit of progress, but feel like they're just not getting what they need. They're stuck, they're stagnant, and they're not going anywhere. I've seen people who have been in therapy for 20 years and in six months they've had more change in their life, more change in their um, emotions, more change in their ability to experience. I've seen people go off of medications, of course, with the permission of their other providers. I've seen people reduce therapy. I've seen people who are suicidal completely change uh, their priorities, their beliefs, and their happiness and joy and expression of how they talk about their lives and how they talk about their experiences. I've seen beautiful things. And I've seen a lot of tragedy. And I just want you guys to know that there are options out there for you. There are resources out there for you. You don't have to take the life that you have in this moment if you're unhappy with it as the way it has to be. So again, my name is Krista Fee. I am here for you. I want you to feel completely free to ask me anything that you want to ask me. I am 100% open. I am like a wide open book. You want to talk about my old careers. You want to talk about my education. You want to talk about what I'm doing to serve the community. You want to talk about the finances of the nonprofit. I'm completely open. I have no, um, no inhibitions whatsoever with sharing the information with you that you guys seek. I can tell you who our sponsors are. I can tell you how much they've given us unless they ask me not to. I can tell you um, who, our, who our recipients are, our honorees. If you want to know something about one of them, if you have someone you would like us to honor, there is an easy application form. It doesn't cost you anything. 
just fill out that form. We'll contact you, get to know about the person a little bit and make sure that we have the information of where the plaque needs to be delivered and we will get them on the list and make it happen. If you need services, if you're out there and you feel like, oh, I think I might wanna talk to this person. I think I might wanna connect with these resources. Again, we don't ask for financial statements. We don't ask you to prove anything about your status or your discharge or your career. We trust that you will not take advantage of the resources that we're offering unless they are for you. We trust that you have your best interest at heart. And we trust that you're asking the questions for the right reasons. So please feel free at any time. I am absolutely open to having conversations with any of you. If you want services, again, there is a simple button and I will add my Calendly link to this podcast that you can set up a half an hour intake with me. It's absolutely free always to do a strategy session and I will give you tools and resources right there. If there's something that you're saying that I can give you a resource for, I will. I am completely here for you. I'm completely open for you. And please feel free. Don't hesitate. Ask me anything that you'd like to know.